Hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. So glad that you decided to tune in today. I hope that you listen to the whole broadcast today because I'm talking today on the subject of give me liberty, right? Give me liberty. Give me freedom. You know, you can be set free. The Bible is very clear. Jesus himself says, if you know the truth, you will be set free. Uh, you will know the truth and you'll be set free indeed, okay? So you got to know God's truth in order to be set free. And, and I want to begin talking about Give Me Liberty by using an illustration that I found in Richard Hoffler's book, Will Daylight Come? And he includes a homey illustration of how sin really can enslave us. But forgiveness sets us free. But there was a little boy and he was visiting his grandparents and he was given his very first slingshot. Well, he practiced in the woods, but he could never seem to hit his target. He went back to his grandma's backyard, and as he's in the backyard, uh, he decided that he'd take a little practice shots in the backyard, and then he spied out grandma's pet duck. Well, he knew it was a bad shot, but he says, well, let me see if I can hit that duck, and on an impulse, uh, he took aim, let it fly, and that stone hit the duck, and that duck fell dead. Well, the boy panicked. Desperately, he hid that dead duck in the woodpile only to look up and to see that his sister was watching. Sally had seen it all, but she said nothing. After lunch that day, Grandma said, Sally, let's wash the dishes. Ah, but Sally said, Oh, Johnny told me he wanted to help in the kitchen today. Didn't you, Johnny? And she whispered to him, Remember the duck? So Johnny did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the children wanted to go fishing. Grandma said, I'm sorry, but I need Sally to help me make supper. Sally smiled and she says, that's all taken care of. Johnny wants to do it. Again, she whispered, remember the duck? Johnny stayed while Sally went fishing. After several days of Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's chores, finally, he couldn't take it any longer. He confessed to Grandma that he had killed the duck. Grandmother says, well, I know Johnny and gave him a big hug. I was standing at the window, and I saw the whole thing. Because I love you, I forgave you. I wondered how long you would let Sally make a slave of you. Listen, forgiveness will set you free. In Galatians chapter 3, we're looking at a very important subject. It's called liberty. Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. Being rescued is a wonderful experience. Being rescued from sin, being rescued from separation from God, having relationships reconciled, all made possible because of the liberty that we receive as we forgive. Max Licato in his book talked about the trapped miners in Chile, and he talked about this in the fall of 2010 when billions of people around the globe were captivated by the story of those Chilean miners. They were trapped beneath 2,000 feet of solid rock, and 33 men were desperate. The collapse of the main tunnel that sealed their exit, and it thrust them all into this survival mode. They ate two spoonfuls of tuna, a sip of milk, and morsels of peaches every other day. For two months, they cried out and prayed for somebody to save them. On the surface above, the Chilean rescue team were working around the clock. They were even consulting NASA, meeting with experts. They designed a 13-foot-tall capsule and drilled, and they began to open up a communication hole. And then an evacuation tunnel 
There was no guarantee of success. No one had ever been trapped underground this long and lived to tell about it. Now, someone has. On October 13th, 2010, the men began to emerge from that mine, slapping high fives and, and, and leading victory chants. A great-grandfather of one of the trap miners, a 44-year-old man who was planning a wedding, then a 19-year-old, all had different stories, but all made the same decision. They trusted someone else to save them. No one returned the rescue offer with a declaration of independence, but if they did, they would say, I can get out of here on my own. No, they couldn't. They realized they were dependent on somebody else. They were dependent on somebody to get them out of that stone tomb. Somebody beyond them had to rescue them. Listen, we need help the same way. We can't rescue ourselves. I don't know about you, but I think we need to be honest enough to realize that I'm in the mess that I'm in, not because I'm so great, but because I'm so terrible. I got myself into the mess that I cannot get myself out of. And so in Galatians chapter 3, we have a declaration of liberty that we can find in Christ. Let's read Galatians chapter 3, just a few verses from this text. I'll make a few comments as we go through it. But in the back of your mind, I want you to be thinking about, give me liberty. Paul says, Galatians chapter 3, when he was hung on the cross, talking about Christ, he took upon himself the curse of our wrongdoing. Now, let me stop right there. And Do you know that Christianity, it's the only religion in the world in which our God dies for us? So Paul continues, for it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. And so Paul is going to give us some examples, okay? Verse number 15, Galatians chapter 3 says, Dear brothers and sisters, here is an example from everyday life. So exhibit A will be God's law. Just as one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promise to Abraham and to his child. And to notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children, it says to his child. Rather, it says his child. And so in Jewish literature, as we look at this generic singular seed is being interpreted and is being referred to as a nation. But we see here that, that it's a specific nation that is going to be blessed, and they're going to be given a law, and they're also going to be given a promise. So Exhibit A is talking about the fact that this promise is given through Abraham, and that's also Exhibit B is the law. So let's continue reading verse number 17. This is what I'm trying to say. The agreement, the covenant God made with Abraham could not be canceled. 430 years later, when God gave the law to Moses. In other words, the law that came through the Moses was the law that came after the life of Abraham. And that law did not cancel the promise that God had made with Abraham. See, God would not break his promise. Verse number 18, for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be the result of accepting God's promise, but God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. Now, as we go through this text, we're going to go back and forth, exhibit A, exhibit B, and then we're going to introduce exhibit C. 
But I want to set the context because I don't want to lose you on this, right? Because a lot of words here. And I want us to understand that Abraham first was given a covenant, a promise that God was going to raise up through the descendants of Abraham, one who would be the redeemer of humanity. Christ was going to come through the line of Abraham. And then when Moses came along, there's another exhibit that's introduced, and that's called the law. Now, the law was never meant for us to live under to receive salvation. The law is intended to point out the fact that we are lawbreakers. So when Moses is given the law, it doesn't mean that the Abrahamic covenant is dead. It wasn't God going back and saying, well, that Abrahamic covenant didn't work out, so now try to obey the law. No, we're looking at this and we're seeing that the law is given to Moses to prove that we are lawbreakers. Uh, So let's continue on. Okay, verse number 19, Galatians chapter 3. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child was promised. God gave his law through the angel to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Now, a mediator is helpful if more than one party must reach an agreement. But God, who is one, did not use a mediator when he gave his promise to Abraham. In other words, he spoke directly to Abraham, and he didn't use a mediator. Verse 21, is there a conflict then between God's law and God's promises? Absolutely not. If the law could give us new life, we could be made right with God by obeying it. But the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise. It's a promise of freedom only by believing in Christ Jesus. So there's a main point that we're looking at. Our liberty is found in Christ. God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. Verse 23, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under the guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Paul says, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian until Christ. So Christ is exhibit A. Exhibit uh, C, rather. Exhibit A is talking about the covenant made to Abraham Exhibit B, talking about the law, the fact that we are lawbreakers. Exhibit A is the guardian of Christ. Christ came to fulfill the law. Paul continues by saying, it protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. Now, this is so important. I don't want you to miss this, right? Sometimes people ask me, well, did Old Testament believers get saved like New Testament believers get saved? And I say, yes. It was by faith. The difference is in the Old Testament, you would look forward to the coming of Christ. You knew because it was predicted that a Messiah was come. It was prophesied. That's what the Abrahamic covenant was all about, that God was going to have a select people that were going to be forgiven of their sins because the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world was going to come. In the Old Testament, the way that you understood this and the way that you displayed the fact that you believed in the coming of the Messiah is you would offer a sacrifice, a perfect lamb without blemish. You knew that you broke the law. You knew that you could not redeem yourself. You could not compensate for the sins that you have committed. You couldn't even make recompense for your sins. And so you would offer a lamb, a perfect lamb, as a symbol of the atonement 
for what Christ was going to do for us. Now, as we come to the New Testament, New Testament believers, uh, we don't look forward to the coming of the Messiah. We look back to the coming of the Messiah when he came the first time. Uh, We put our faith in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. We are born again by faith. Old Testament saints are born again by faith, putting their faith in Jesus Christ. So that's what Paul is trying to drive home because he doesn't want us to forget this point. Verse 25 of Galatians 3 says, And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. In other words, we no longer are getting close enough to the edge of that cliff, right? But now we are children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham, and you are the heirs of God's promise to Abraham, and it belongs to you. Don't you love that? I want you to know, we have liberty in Christ. Galatians 3.18 reminds us that we have this inheritance, and it doesn't depend upon the law. It depends on the promise that God has given to us. God in his grace gave it through Abraham by a promise, and we receive it by a promise as well. Now, if you are are fortunate enough to be one who was raised in the church, right, you have been given such a blessing to be introduced to Christ at a young age. And, And I remember as a kid, we used to sing a song, Standing on the Promises, right? And that's what we're standing on, the promises of God. And here are the lyrics to this song. Uh, Maybe this will ring fond memories to you as you listen to the lyrics of this song. Maybe you, you will even remember singing this in church, right? Standing on the promises of Christ, my King. Through eternal ages, let His praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises. And then uh, you'd go and you'd sing the chorus part and uh, it'd be standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Well, the second verse is just as powerful as the first verse. The second verse says, standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail by the living word of God, I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. This is some good theology uh, right here on this wonderful hymn. And the third verse says, Standing on the promises I now can see. Perfect. Present. Cleansing in the blood for me. Standing in the liberty where Christ makes me free. Standing on the promises of God. Now, we used to always skip the third verse, but there's power in that verse, right? Standing on the promises. I can see that perfect, that perfect Son of God who presents me as one who is cleansed by his blood. And then verse number four, standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the spirit sword, standing on the promises of God. Oh, I tell you, my friends, we have so much to be thankful for and all of these wonderful promises that God has given us. And I want you to know that God is not just a promise maker. He is a promise keeper. Verse number five says, standing on the promises, I cannot fail. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God. 
Now listen, my friends, there are two types of people in the world today. The types of person that live by faith, or you could be the type of person that lives by the law. The choice really is yours. I don't know about you, but I've tried living by the law, and I keep messing up. I keep breaking the law. In Galatians 3.9, it says, so that those who rely on faith, they're blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Martin Luther King Jr. said, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Take that first step of faith. Live by faith. You know, one way that will help you to do this is meditating on God's word. Romans 12.3 says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each of us a measure of faith. You know how this wonderful journey with Christ begins? It begins with a measure of faith. God has given everyone enough faith to believe in him. That little measure of faith, that first measure of faith, is called saving faith. It's enough faith so that you realize that I can't redeem myself. I will trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'll take that first step. And I will not have to have see the whole staircase, but I'll take that first step. You know, according to Romans chapter 12, God gives varying measures of faith to his people. It's a growing measure of faith. Paul says that we ought to think with sound judgment because God has allowed each of us a measure of faith. Listen, that measure of faith grows. The longer I serve him, the more my faith expands. You know, faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. We are commanded to walk by faith, not by sight. Paul says, I, among you, don't want to think of myself more highly because this measure of faith is a gift that God gives us. So if you're looking at somebody else and say, man, it seems like they have more faith than I. That's all right. Your faith will grow. Your faith will get stronger. Paul knew that the abundance of God's grace was the source of his faith. Matter of fact, he said this to Timothy. Here's the reference. 1 Timothy 1.13. I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. But the grace of our Lord Jesus overflowed for me with that faith and love which we are called in Christ Jesus. Faith is like a muscle. The more it's used, the stronger it gets. You know, you think about your body. The number of muscles in our body varies from around 640 to 850. After you were born, your body doesn't produce tons of new muscles. The muscles that you have grow. They stretch and they're made stronger. And they're used to give you more strength. They're made stronger by use and stronger by nutrition. In Luke 17, 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you can say that this mulberry tree be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey. Now, don't you love that? It's not a big faith. It's a little faith in a big God. Romans 4.14 says, For if those who depend upon the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and a promise is worthless. I want you to know that the righteous live by faith. Paul reminds us that the righteous live by faith, 
in Romans 1.17, in Galatians 3.11, in Romans 4.14, in Hebrews 10.38. This is a recurring theme in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 10.38 says, By my righteousness, one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. I want you to know faith predates the law. Well, what do we do when we lack faith? Maybe that's what you are today as you're listening to this broadcast. And man, all oh, this sounds great, but I'm lacking in faith. Well, in the Old Testament, there's a book of Habakkuk. It's a wonderful short little book. In Habakkuk 2, it says, look at the prideful. They trust in themselves, and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faithfulness to God. If you're lacking faith, I want you to know part of the reason that you're lacking faith is because you're putting confidence in yourself. And you're looking at yourself and says, man, there's no way that I can do this. And you're right. There's no way that you can do it. So don't try harder. Trust more. Trust not in yourselves. You become crooked, right? I found out something about me, and maybe you have the same struggle. I've discovered that I can justify just about anything. My old heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? We are far more corrupt than we could ever imagine. We trust ourselves more than we can ever fathom. But if you will put your faith in Christ, you will discover the righteous live by their faithfulness to God. Oh, I said there's two types of people in the world. There's those who live by faith, but then there's those who live by the law. You know, when you think about living by the law, have you ever been cussed out by someone? You know, if you are trusting in the law, you will be cussed out by the law. Did you know that? Look what Galatians 3.10 says. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who doesn't continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Somebody put it this way. Robert Frost put it this way. And he says, two roads diverged in a yellow wood. The road not taken. He took the one less traveled by, and that made all the difference. But choosing a road only because it is less traveled seems to be a risky basis for navigation through life. How can we be sure that we're on the right road? Well, we read Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 and 14. You know, we're kind of struck by the antithesis of these two words, curse and blessing. In this section, Paul describes two alternative roads. The first leads to a curse. The second leads to a blessing. Look at verse number 10. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 10. But those who depend upon the law to make them right with God, they're under a curse. For the scripture says, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So as you think about that, that curse, this is not new in the New Testament. It's talked about in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 21. Moses says, you must not leave the body hanging on the pole overnight. Be sure to bury it at that same day because anyone who is hung on that pole is under God's curse. You must not desecrate the land of the Lord your God that the Lord has given you as an inheritance. In other words, when somebody dies, don't leave them hanging out there. Don't leave them on that pole overnight. That is a sign of curse. You know, God took our curse for us. Jesus, when he was on that cross, became our curse. So the second word that we look at in Galatians chapter 3, 14 is not the curse, but the blessing. Look at verse 14. Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed us 
and bless the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham, so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. Oh my, what a joy it is as you're faced in this fork of this journey. Am I going to be one who follows the law or am I going to live by faith? Walk the life of faith. You will be set free. It'll make a major difference in your life. Well, I hope that you join me tomorrow because we're going to go through part two on how we can be living in faith. Give me liberty or give me death, said Patrick Henry. And we'll be looking at this subject more tomorrow. Listen, I want you to walk by liberty and faith. I don't want you to be enslaved to sin any longer. Now, if I can help you with anything, please feel free to shoot me an email. And my email address for this radio broadcast is onehopeforyourheart at gmail.com. Spell out the word one, onehopeforyourheart at gmail.com. Or you can give me a call at 757-421-7500. If you're having trouble hearing this broadcast because the signal may be a little bit out of your purview, uh, you can pick us up on buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557. Or you can listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcast, or Apple Podcast. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope that you tune in tomorrow. If you'd like to come worship with us, we are located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. This is a ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church. We so appreciate you tuning in today. God bless you. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.